and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat Series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the okayest minds in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute. And if you didn't guess by the way I did the opening, our guest today is none other than Dr. Mark Stiving, who is a expert on product pricing. He is a uh, he is the founder and chief pricing officer of Impact Pricing. He is a self-proclaimed and absolutely lives up to it pricing geek who absolutely loves to talk about it. And he's one of my favorite guests to have. So welcome, Mark. Thank you, Rebecca. That was a fabulous interview, other than the okayest part. <laughs> <laughs> Just for you, my friend. Just for you. All right. So uh, as we talked a little bit about last time, so this whole month, the box of the month, the activity of the month is pricing. So we're going to talk about all different aspects of it. And one that we were just disagreeing on before we, we started recording was, was shrinkflation, right? The idea that we are paying the same for less. Uh, I think we often think about this in, in food packaging, right? That's like the most common way you think about it, where all of a sudden your same size bag of chips has half the potato chips in it, or, you know, the, the bottle of your Gatorade got a little bit smaller, you know, ways that, that it's shrinking how much I get for the same amount. Uh, and one of the things I think I find so interesting about it is I think COVID has brought this much further than the traditional sort of packaged good places that we're used to seeing it. Right. So I now spend the same money, if not more, for my hotel, but I don't get, I don't, you know, the, the restaurant's not open. They only are doing the, the cleaning services every fourth day. Uh, not that I mind any of those things, but I am in fact getting, you know, less for the same amount. And so I think it's interesting to think about, Mark, whether there are implications of this in larger businesses that we don't necessarily think about. I think that's a very fair statement. Uh, so let's talk about consumer goods first, just so that everybody knows what we're talking about and that it makes Absolutely. sense. And then let's see if we could figure out other places where it may make sense um, and, and how we could do it. First off, shrinkflation essentially says, you know, I used to get 10 ounces of chips in this bag. Now I get eight ounces. It happens to be the exact same bag. The only thing that's changed is the amount of chips and the number on the front. So they actually changed the number uh, that they say they're delivering to you in the package. But when you open up the bag, it looks like it's half empty, but they sold you exactly what they said they were going to sell you. Now, what I believe is going on here, well, I'm pretty confident of what's going on here, is we can imagine there's this thing called price elasticity. And price elasticity says, if I raise the price of my product by 1%, how much, how much less product will I sell because I raise my price? but we could define something, let's call it the uh, volume elasticity or size elasticity. And that is if I shrink the size of my package without changing the price, then how much less do I sell? And I think people ignore the size elasticity or the volume elasticity uh, much, much more than they ignore the price elasticity. Uh, if I were to ask you, I mean, what's really funny is there's lots of studies that say most of us don't remember prices anyway. So if I ask you what the price of a can of green beans is, you're like, yeah, I don't know. Or, uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've actually done these studies where people leaving a grocery store, they'll pull an item out of the cart that someone just bought and said, how much was this? 
And of course, you don't know the answer to that question. Who read The Price is Right is not bankrupt. We are terrible at this as a society <laughs> of knowing how much it is. Yes, but but the key point is we may not even notice the the price changing, but I guarantee you we don't notice the volume changing or the size changing. Well, I mean, you can do it fairly subtly, right? Where you wouldn't necessarily think about it. Uh, and the other thing, they, they don't rarely announce it, right? It's funny because when the, the canning bar gets bigger, there's a big label that says now 25% bigger, right? Like they don't put a label on it that says now 20% smaller. So they're waiting for you to see if if you notice, if you miss it, right? It's the same thing. I don't miss having housekeeping every day, right? Seriously? I How do you I'm survive? Not, I'm not that messy, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, so you can kind so, of do it under the radar. So here's what I think goes on. And, and it's actually funny because we've had really low inflation for the last 40 years, they say, right? So one, 2% a year. And so companies will do this and it's really subtle. It's really slow. It happens over long periods of time. It's suddenly a big deal now because we have in big inflation and, and companies don't want to raise their prices 10%. So they're they're chopping volumes mm. and, and it's becoming this really big, important thing to us. But in the old days, what would happen is they would chop the volume a little, they would chop the volume a little bit, and then they would say, hey, new, bigger sizes. <laughs> and they would raise the price. That's clever as well. <laughs> it really is. But but I'm not sure that they're going to get away with that because prices are changing so rapidly in the market. We'll see. I, I'll expect some people to do that. So it'd be interesting. So in, in thinking about this, the shrinkflation thing and all the places that I've grown to accept it, right? I, I uh, and it's interesting on, on ways that like, again, I, I don't, I don't care if I only get housekeeping every quarter day. It drove me nuts when the airlines kept taking away but it was things like the baggage fees, like things like that, like it bothered me because they were taking away, but they weren't just taking away, they were explicitly charging me for it, right? If I called and said I spilled something in my hotel room, they would come and clean it in between those four days and not charge me extra. There was something about the way that the airlines did it that didn't sit right. But also all of those still are pretty much B2C. Is there or are there B2B opportunities or examples where you start to get less for the same amount? I'm sure the answer that's yes. I can't think of any off the top of my head. What I can tell you is I have several B2B clients and pretty much everybody who reaches out to me nowadays is trying to figure out how do they raise prices. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think what happens is companies are in contracts. So it's really hard to say, I'm going to change the product I deliver to you without you noticing it. Well, but they call you to say they want to change a raise pricing, pricing, but what they're really trying to do is increase profitability, right? Which is why it really is a two-sided place. Like if I can't change how much I'm charging you for it, what can I change in terms of my own costs? I mean, I can't think of any good except don't do this if you're listening, right? But if you're like, ha, ah, I'm gonna pull away support. And if they, if they call support, they don't get any help with their software. Again, bad idea. But it would be the way of increasing profitability without increasing prices. And in all of the examples we talked from B2C side, the 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 pain is at the the customer side, or at least the supposed pain. Yeah, I, I think what happens is the we think of it as pain. It's really just the transaction that's happening. Right? Mm -hmm. Whether we say we raised prices or we lowered volume doesn't really matter. We're charging more per ounce or more per 
you know, per unit, whatever that unit happens to be. So we really are raising prices on customers, but we're raising prices in most of these cases, we're raising prices because our costs went up. Just go ahead and slap me for a second for saying those words. Oh, I'm sorry, does okay. costing affect pricing, Mark? Because I feel like that's not a thing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say this. First off, I'm going to say why companies do it, and then I'll tell you how they should be thinking about it. But they do it because their costs are going up. They're trying to figure out how do I maintain the profitability I had last year because they don't want to give that up. Now, the reason that that isn't a horrendous thing to do, it's a horrendous way to think. But the reason that isn't a horrendous thing to do is because it's likely all of your competitors are doing this too. It's likely your customers are expecting it or at least accepting it because of the fact that everybody knows that we have these supply chain issues and we, get, we don't get enough um, product out and costs are going up dramatically for everybody. Uh, so if you even if your costs aren't going up and you want to raise prices, now is the best time in the world to raise prices. Okay, so you're very much thinking of these as parallel, right? It's it's and they are right. They're both about increasing profitability. So then the other example you and I have been talking about. So all of that is shrinkflation, paying the same for getting less. So I needed less ingredients and those things. It has to be a hard. It has to be if I'm getting less, there has to be some form of hard cost to the or the company in order to make that actually move the the dial, right? It costs yes, me so yeah. much per half inch of candy bar, I guess. Yeah, and if I and if I could pause you for a second, I mm -hmm. think the airlines they didn't change their costs by taking away your baggage. Correct. They did change their profitability. Yes, but not their costs. Nope. Nope. And and I think that's why the argument didn't doesn't fit with you, right? Like the the food may or may not have been frustrating for you. I did not miss airline food in any way, shape or form, but like you, you thought, okay, that's a cost to them, right? That they had to go and, and supply these things. And, and now you're just like, no, no, there isn't one. Yep. But the, I guess the question then too is, is it more attractive and more, you know, is your, is it less disruptive to your market to give you less for the same amount or to charge you more for the same amount? I think in B2C, it's an easy answer, right? Because we have tons of people making individual transactions. Um, you could think of a hotel. Uh, I would almost argue right now, most hotels are B2B, or at least six months ago, they were mostly B2B. It was mostly business people that were traveling. And when someone didn't give me housekeeping, I, I didn't think of it as shrinkflation. I thought of it as uh, they're trying to do COVID responsible things and wow, isn't that good because it saves the money at the same time. Right. And they're saving the environment. There's many ways we can we can uh, spin this one, right? I mean, that's yes. what they've been doing all along is you get less and less of the, the washing and the and the toiletries because they're saving the environment. Which yes. is a good cause, mind you, but pretty sure not their reasoning. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's it's a good justification. Yes, it right? truly is. Now, when they start shrinking the size of the beds in the hotel rooms. <laughs> <laughs> but when the drinks get smaller and smaller, that's yes. when we're, yes. Yes. So, so I'm not sure that you see it that much in B2B. And I, and I, in my mind, what I'm feeling is if I'm buying something as a business, I have probably built this into my business model. I have a set of expectations of a standard quality of product. And so my expectation is you're going to deliver that product. And, and for you to change the specs makes me change my business. Mm -hmm. For you to change the price 
makes me angry, but I don't have to change my business. Right. So, so my guess is we don't see it as much in B2B. But I do think in B2B, I mean, there is a smaller price sensitivity in general, because for many people, they're not using their own money. Again, right or wrong, that's, that's a, it's a common way of thinking of it. And so I think that's one of the ways businesses raise their own prices. And so that you raise yours is just sort of the, the line that trickles down of all of our manufacturing and supply chain up, right? But it's interesting when you see it in the BDC world as directly as we just heard about it with the dollar store, right? Oh. My gosh, I love this story. What, right? Go ahead, what, tell the story. It's a great story. Well, say, what the listeners didn't get is when we first started, before we hit the record button, uh, Rebecca was saying, oh, I love the shrinkflation. I was like, oh, that one's okay. I love the Dollar General story. <laughs> <laughs> See how we flip there? <laughs> and you'll notice that I got to do mine first. And I think that pretty much says it all. <laughs> tell, so, tell us about the Dollar store. Story. What's fascinating about Dollar General is that they're going to start charging a dollar and a quarter for every item. So instead of being a dollar, it's now a dollar and a quarter. And in a lot of ways, this is absolutely insane. But in, in other ways, you know, it may not be a horrendously stupid decision. But uh, I, I don't know if you caught this line in the article that uh, I was reading, the, the CNN I think, article. I think it's Dollar Tree, though, not Dollar General. Oh, is it Dollar Tree? Right. Oh, hang on. Let me open up the. It is Dollar Tree. Thank you very much. It was Dollar Tree that does. Dollar General right now is thinking, are they going to make some bank because yeah. Dollar Tree raised their prices? I suspect. Uh, Dollar Tree owns a couple of these other ones. Let me look it up. Dollar uh, Tree owns Dollar General and Family Dollar. This is Mark's way of making sure I, I see that he was in fact correct. I wasn't. I, actually, I wasn't correct <laughs> because Dollar General and Family Dollar both had products that were more than a dollar prior to now oh so dollar tree is the only one that had a straight out everything was a dollar everything was a dollar okay go ahead and, and now what they're doing is they're raising it so everything is a dollar and a quarter oh. well, the, the thing i found in this article which i found really fascinating is once they go back up to a dollar and a quarter they're going to achieve their normal average margin of 35 percent i am shocked that they used to make 35 percent margin on dollar products in a retail environment, in like a, a retail brick and mortar environment. retail environment, that is fascinating. It really is. It really is. But now the question is, you know, all of the nuances of did we, should they have raised their price to a dollar and a quarter? Shouldn't they have? Obviously, they had to do something. Could they have just done shrinkflation and gone through and redesigned everything yeah. in their store and say, oh, we're going to make those chopsticks a little bit shorter? <laughs> <laughs> So for whatever they happen to have in the store, uh, they could have done that. Now, the question becomes, does a dollar and a quarter hurt them? I think they've already, this is my personal opinion now, they've already built a fantastic brand and reputation of having very inexpensive, it's super easy to see. So I don't think the dollar and a quarter is going to hurt them that much. But I do think that they got a huge advantage out of putting the word dollar in their company name and charging a dollar for everything. And now they're going to struggle with that, right? So now it's going to be a disadvantage because they no longer are a dollar for everything. And it's tough to call yourself a dollar and a quarter tree. Right. It's true. Even a 125 cent tree doesn't really. <laughs> <It> doesn't <laughs> well, it's interesting is I had not read 
I had not realized that they were the only ones where everything was truly still just a dollar, right? The the ones near me, it's always like they're inexpensive, but it varies. So it, I, I suspect that was part of their decisioning tree, right? Is do I do like everyone else and I, and I have some squishiness or do I just continue to keep it exactly the same price for every single item? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's super easy for the for the store to operate. It's super easy for people to figure out, oh, I have five items, it's $5. Now, how hard is it to say I got five items at $6.25? Is that right? I, I, I thought right. about that too, but you already had to figure taxes, right? You already had taxes on it. So you already were not actually going to get five for $5. You were going to get out of there for 522%. Yep. Well, and the other thing that happens when they raise their price to a dollar and a quarter is this is one where everybody knows you raised your price. Yes. So if we raise the price of green beans at Safeway, most people have no idea we did that. But in this case, we know. Did they, do you think they, that's interesting, right? Like, I don't know how come we all know when there was all these articles about it. Like, did they do a press release? Were they just like, let's just own it and not, not be, let's be as transparent as our pricing has always been. I, I've, although I don't know the answer to that question. Had they asked me, I would have recommended a press release. Yeah. Because I think it is much more effective to tell people ahead of time we did that than to have somebody walk in the store expecting $1 products and mm -hmm. seeing everything at a dollar and a quarter. Well, and again, if part of the brand is transparency, there's no hidden prices, it's always a dollar, you would wanna carry that forward in this type of price change. Do you think it'll be like stamps? Do you remember like stamps were 25 cents for like <laughs> forever? And then once they changed, right? Once it once it passed that, I now they change all the time. Do you think like now that they've done a dollar to a dollar 25, it's, no time even maybe they become the dollars tree store or you know it's possible because there is no there's no meaning behind dollar tree anymore mm -hmm. now if they i was actually thinking about this one would it make sense for them to change the company name to two dollar tree or dollars you just kind of make it plural dollars <laughs> well <laughs> the thing i like about two dollar tree is it's just like dollar tree We've got probably 10 more years, if we have 7% inflation, 10 more years before we double the cost of everything. So we could go redesign our packaging, give a little bit more volume, charge $2 per item instead of $1 per item. And, uh, and so now people at least have this expectation when they walk in the door. And, and by the way, $2 is really cheap for anything. I First, I was like, you could do nothing is more than $2. But then again, you lose a little bit of the beauty of the cleanness of it. Like, it's all the same. It would be really interesting to know, like, what Dollar General's average price is, right? Like, where they have a lot of items that maybe are a dollar, maybe some that are less. If they look at the store globally, is it like a buck 25? And that's how they came up with this number? Or is that model already up in the, you know, in the twos or something? I guess one of the points I'd like to make, because we talk about Dollar General, Dollar Tree, uh, the way customers are making decisions, is we should always be thinking about price segmentation, always. Mm -hmm. And so we've got some customers who don't mind the, and I'll say the word complexity, not that it's that complex, of looking at the individual prices of products and making decisions, and maybe it's a dollar, and maybe it's $3 or $5. And then we have other customers who really want to go to Dollar Tree, and it's really simple. They could send their kids out, hey, go buy two items. It's two bucks. Um, and, and so it's that simplicity of the decision. We as, as businesses, all of us as businesses, we have that same exact same trade-off at times. 
We have some customers who just need the very simple ease of doing business with us that we need to deliver. And then mm -hmm. we have other customers who are totally okay with diving into the weeds and trying to figure out what's the exact right thing for them and what's the optimal price. We have to decide who we serve. Yeah. Well, it's, it, I mean, you know, the other, the other thing that was, as I was reading and thinking about this ahead of time, that was really, there's been a lot of articles recently about how the dollar stores are the most popular. They're often today taking the place of grocery stores in areas, rural areas that are underserved by major grocery chains. And so a lot of the articles I had been seeing were sort of about the expansion of their product line to be able to take some of the more full service stuff, adding some fresh things, all those pieces. But that's clearly not the angle here, right? That's clearly, again, a, a different type of family dollar, dollar store piece than, than the market they're going after, which is still going to stay within a fairly tight product line in order to stay at $1.25. Yeah, and so now, since we think about price segmentation or market segmentation, and imagine the type of customer who would choose Dollar Tree over one of the other type of discount stores, Dollar General or somebody else, then do you think they changed their mind because the price went up to a dollar and a quarter? I don't know how often they're even geographically close to each other. Like, I don't know if they were just competing against themselves with the name of their store, or if they were really in any kind of price war with another discount store near them. Yeah, I would argue, though, that even if they were side by side, yes. the people who would shop at Dollar Tree will still shop at Dollar Tree. And there was a reason they were choosing Dollar Tree. It was the, it was the types of products. It was the simplicity of the pricing. And so now they know it's more expensive, but everything is more expensive now. Yeah. Well, as you said, it's a good time to raise prices for everyone. I think it's also a really good time if there is some sort of psychological pricing level that made you nervous, right? Going from the, the 995 to over a thousand, right? Whatever that thing, you know, in the dollar store, it was going over a dollar. Again, this is a good time to consider doing that and considering how you message it. Now, can you imagine how hard that decision was in the corporate boardroom? Oh, I'm, I'm clear they've, I'm, I, I imagine they've talked about this for quite some time and, and it was, yeah. Yeah, that, that just had to be so hard because they're changing their whole company, company strategy, company brand, company image, everything. It was just and incredible. It's, it would also be very hard to, to roll back in the public's mind, not at all hard to roll back in practice, but it would be, you know, a bit painful <laughs> to go publicly announce a dollar twenty-five because of costs. Come back and do a dollar, and then you're done. Like there's no way you can play this again if you can't pull it off now. Yeah, yeah. and um, and from what I read, they made the uh, all or nothing decision. They said, "Let's go do this," and they just did it. It wasn't uh, market tested someplace. Like really, that's that's gutsy. I'm sure they modeled it. I'm sure they were like, "If I lost this many people, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. Like it's it's a." Theoretically, not theoretically, mathematically, that 25 cents all drops to the bottom line. Yep. You haven't changed anything else. So you, you would have to lose an enormous amount of shoppers or quantity per shopper, which is probably their biggest, their bigger thinking in order to, to have to off, you know, to, to make it more painful than the, the drop you had to your bottom line. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I want to apologize to all the listeners. I'm about to do some math. So, pen and paper. I have mine. <laughs> let's let's imagine that they were selling a hundred dollars worth of stuff before the price change. Mm -hmm. That meant they made ten dollars in profit. And so after the price change, 
if they sold $100, they made $35 in profit. That is huge. Yeah. So that says we have to lose a lot of customers. He's <laughs> <laughs> not going to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Skip that part of the math. I don't have my calculator in front of me. <laughs> but you would, you'd have to lose an enormous amount. Right. That's, yeah, that's crazy. So it's probably two thirds of your customers. Yeah, I was going to say more than half to get mm -hmm. there. You'd have to lose more than half before it wasn't a more profitable model. Yep. So it probably makes a lot of sense for them since the margins, their margins have been squeezed so tightly at that point in time that it made sense. Yeah. It's interesting though, because many of the articles that I've read about it have been like, this is crazy. This is a bad idea. Why did they do this? But maybe those people don't do math. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 it, I like, it's obviously a, a big sign. I don't feel like it's taking, you know, I don't know that there's a case to be made that they're taking advantage of people out there. So I'm not really sure where their concern was other than would the competitors just drive it home then. But I, again, I don't know how much of a competitive place it is of where, which one you go to. It is interesting because I hadn't thought about that. Almost all those retail consultants that, that you read in the articles say, oh, this is probably a mistake, probably not, probably too big of a change. And, uh, and yet when you do that little bit of math we just did, it shows oh my gosh, it's probably not a huge mistake. Yeah. It's, it's probably a, a really smart decision. And I don't think they have to worry about competition so much because just like their margins were being squeezed, all their competitors' margins are being squeezed. It's, this is a general inflation problem that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just Dollar Tree. But I also wonder like how, how frequently casual shoppers there expected everything to truly still be a dollar. Like I would have gone in and been surprised that nothing had moved its way up to a dollar, 10 dollars, whichever one used to be near me, they were not all still all a dollar. So I don't even know how much the expectation was that. Yeah. yeah. I think you'd have to be pretty brand loyal. Cause I mean, you and I, we didn't even know the difference between dollar tree and dollar general. Well, okay. I didn't, you corrected me. <laughs> <laughs> Is one of the okayest minds. Yeah. <laughs> but but you can imagine someone who's loyal to Dollar Tree, who goes there all the time, they definitely know, right? They definitely saw yeah, it. That's true. But where else are they going to go? I mean, heck, you could run specials that are like buy three, get the fourth free. Yeah. And you're still up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. All right. So we talk about shrinkflation and we talk about just, you know, go overtly changing your price. Let's, let's think about those both from lessons that we can give our listeners about their own pricing. Well, let's see. I think the lesson on shrinkflation that we all saw or we can recognize is, are there ways that we can raise prices? And I'll do that with air quotes. Uh, are there ways that we can raise prices that are undecipherable or undetectable by our customer base. Hmm. Uh, and that's essentially what shrinkflation is doing is it's figuring out how do we give them less, uh, reduce our cost to serve a customer and get the same amount of money for what it is that we've done uh, without and, upsetting our customers. Right. Yeah. And those models, it's, it's, you know, if they currently wait one minute for something, if they waited two minutes for something, I mean, I'm just throwing that as like, there are probably places that we have some expansion time you know, we usually give them four pieces of bacon and then we give them three, like all of those, they would still feel. I would notice trouble. you only give me three pieces of bacon. You are in deep trouble. <laughs> all right. Bad example. Yes. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. So I think that's uh, that's the big lesson I would take away from shrinkflation is look for look for ways to lower our costs without uh, raising our prices. And and then Dollar Tree, uh, what's the big lesson there? We know people are going to recognize it. I think the big lesson would be uh, segmentation. Mm. Make sure we understand who our customers are, what decisions they make today, and what decision do I think they're going to make in the future. And my gut says that most people who buy from Dollar Tree today are still going to go to Dollar Tree and shop tomorrow, uh, even though the prices are up. The other thing I would add, which is not necessarily a pricing lesson, but thing I think people should think about in their organization, what like truth that's written in stone should you re-examine? Because for decades, they have not changed that price. And for decades, they've been just squeezing themselves. So what is it within your own organization that's like, this is this this cannot change. This has to stay. Which one of those should you poke at and really see? Is that true? Or have we just bought into our own truth and story of it? I, I think that's a fabulous one. And um, I often think when I, when I work with companies and we say, okay, how are we, what are we going to go change? I often ask them to ignore all the constraints. Yeah. Uh, because what often happens is we say, oh, we can't do that because the computer system doesn't do that. We can't do that because the CEO doesn't want to do that. We can't do that because sales won't accept that. Right. And my answer is always, okay, let's ignore all these constraints for now. And once we choose the best course of action, ask ourselves, should we go push on this constraint? Is it worth pushing on this or not? And, and I'm sure that's where Dollar Tree was yep. with this huge constraint of, oh my gosh, it's in our name. <laughs> yeah. And also don't put your price in your name. I think that's yeah. another good lesson. <laughs> <clears throat> I think I remember talking about this 15 years ago or something when Subway had the $5 footlong sales. And, and I thought that was just a fabulous advertisement, set of advertisements, because it, it was a really good price. It brought attention to the product. But the problem is, as soon as you move away from $5, everybody knows it. Right. It's not $6 foot long. It doesn't right. long at all. It doesn't work. But yes, right? I mean, you really do. You've really tied yourself into that price point. <clears throat> Also yeah. not $5, six inch long. Yeah. <laughs> None of those. None of that works. It's a dollar per inch. Awesome. All right. Anything else? Any other lessons from this conversation you want to make sure you underscore? I'm sure there were, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. You're still doing the math. So that's, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> this, my mind's just okay today. That's <laughs> no, just okay. Well, we'll see if I can get one of the best minds <laughs> tomorrow for a podcast. We'll see. It's always fun to have you on, Mark. I appreciate your time. And thank you for exploring these, these, uh, these topics with us. Thanks, Rebecca. It is always fun to talk to you. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. <laughs>